and welcome to Raffi's Roundup. I'm, of course, your host, Raffi. And on this podcast series, I talk about whatever it is I want to talk about at the time that I talk about it. Uh, today, we're going to talk about <laughs> Marvel Phase 4. We got a, a, a little trailer from Marvel uh, talking about some stuff they have coming down the pipeline. Some new movie titles, uh, dates and times. I didn't write any of that stuff down. We're probably not going to talk about that. I just need to fill space when I'm talking. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Phase 4. A couple of stuff that, you know, uh, has been announced. Speculate, stuff like that. Um, and we're going to talk about another weekly Z-lister character. A very obscure DC Comics character I want to talk about. Um, who's just kind of, uh, you know... He, I, I, I wouldn't call him weird. I would call him kind of awkward or sur- Superp, superp, I know this word. Hold on, superfluous. I think that's the word I'm, I'm looking for. Um, but it's a DC character called the Protector, um, and he's uh, you know he's he's the kind of character that we talk about. You can't really, there's like not really room for a whole think piece about this character, but like he's the kind of character where you, you hear what he's about and like why he exists. And it's like, huh, and you tip your head. And that's it. It's like the, huh, tip your head, moving on with your life. Um, you would not be hard-pressed to know who the protector is. Um, but a couple updates, you know, recent stuff. Um, I got my first vaccination shot. And, uh, I mean, I still have all my body parts. I don't have any new ones, so that's a good sign. Um... <laughs> Couldn't happen at a better time. The day before I got my my first COVID or uh, vaccine shot, uh, a woman I delivered to had compared wearing a mask to being in an internment camp. So you know, <laughs> what better time to get your shot than the day after you hear something like that? Um, so yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. Shout out to my friends Paul and Jamie. They recently got a house. I'm very happy for them. Um, pretty jealous, <laughs> uh, especially now, you know, we're still preparing for the wedding, so we have a lot of wedding stuff that Macy and I have been working on, a wedding arch, um, decorations, that kind of thing, and, uh, you, you don't really realize how little space you have until you start filling it with more stuff, um, I don't know, we need, like, a storage, we need, like, free storage, that's what we need, uh, I guess we do, our, our storage area for our apartment building is up in the attic. So, it, and it's probably going to be really warm up there, and it's all old, dusty wood. It's not a fun place. Um, it's pretty horrific, actually. Um, let's see, anything else to update on? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything really worth going into. Um, I am, on, on like the, the Digimon tabletop stuff... Um, we won't be doing another recorded special for a while, but what I am excited for is, um, a friend of mine who has been on the podcast before for a very long time, he was my co-host for a very long time, uh, before, like, COVID and work schedules and stuff, uh, my buddy Seth reached out to me, and we're sort of planning to do a one, maybe two session Digimon tabletop, um, game, like a one-off, spin-off kind of deal, um, and I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Um, Give me a chance to kind of expand the game that I've been working on for like two years now. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. 
Um, what else? Oh, um, in sort of spare time, meantime kind of situation here, um, I've been, <laughs> I've been meaning to like rewatch stuff because obviously Falcon and Winter Soldier just ended, um, so I have a little bit more time to watch stuff, and I'm trying to think of like stuff to watch. Um, I got HBO Max through my dad, so like. I was thinking of going back and watching some, some DC stuff, some DC animated movies, DC animated shows. Um, right now I'm actually going through Ben 10 Omniverse. Um, ben 10 is a franchise that, like, <laughs> I got it, like, it came out at the perfect time. The original Ben 10 came out, I think it was, like, 2005, 2006. Um, and I was, like, a good, it was, like, the perfect age for, like, an action comedy cartoon. Um, I think it was, like, it came on, like, right, like, right... Not, like, right after or right before, but, like, around the same time as, like, the Teen Titans show. So, it was a good time for it to be out, and I enjoyed it when I was younger. Uh, there's been, how many shows now? Five? Uh, I didn't watch the, re the the fifth one. is like, they rebooted the show, made it a bit more kid-oriented, which is fine. It is, it is a kid's show at heart. Um, but I didn't watch the reboot, and then, so it went Ben 10, Ben 10 Alien Force, where you're... All the characters are teenagers, basically. Um, uh, Ultimate Alien, which comes right after Alien Force. Same animation and everything, so it's almost like the same show. Um, and then Ben 10 Omniverse, and then after that they rebooted it. I never really watched Omniverse, because the whole art style had changed. And I heard that they were, like, sort of, like, benching certain cast members. And, uh, was it? A bunch of voice cast members got replaced. Um, there was a lot of, like, retconning and changing to, like some of the plot elements of previous shows. So, like, I heard all that stuff and just never got interested in that show. Um, but now that it's on, you know, HBO Max and I have it and I have time to just watch stuff, I've been watching Ben 10 Omniverse. And, uh, I, I mean, I've been liking it so far. They haven't really done anything yet that's really been... Obviously, there's little things where you watch it and you're like, that's that's something that you've done years ago that you shouldn't be doing now. Like, <laughs> like there seems to be some forgetfulness of like exactly like what stories you've told here and there um but i've gotten used to it i've gotten used to the animation the voice cast is pretty good um there's a lot of little stuff i like about the show but uh yeah you know i think eventually when you know i get back to doing podcasts like with groups or with people um or just by myself i don't know i i have a whole list of like film pitches on my desktop here and one of them is for like a proper like, cinema Ben 10 movie. Because I think if something like Shazam has proved anything, it's the concept of, like, a kid being the lead character in a superhero movie. And w without it being kind of pandering and for children, I think it's something that can exist, and I think it's something that should exist. Um, I was thinking this, too, just, again, in regards to the whole pet, like Ben 10 thing. Like, it's crazy to think that if Ben 10 was more successful, it may be, like, a bit more, like, modern, like... Like, if it was made today and it was successful as it was back back when it actually was created, like, the idea of, like, a forearms hoodie, like, won't get out of my head. Like, a, a forearms the alien hoodie with, like, four sleeves. Like, that does Like, I think that's a neat idea. Like, um... Because there's so many Ben 10 aliens and they're so obsessed with toy sales, like... Just imagine if they had pop figures back in, like, the mid-2000s. Like, every Ben 10 alien would have a pop figure. Uh, Way Big would probably have one of those giant ones. Grey Matter would have a little tiny one. Um, 
there would be like variations. You can get Cannonbolt, or you can get Ultimate Cannonbolt. Um, but yeah, like just stuff like that. I think about all the time is like what franchises would be successful in the age of pop figures. You know. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I've been I've been rewatching re that. Macy and I are looking for a video game to play for a couple weeks now. Um, only until Metopia comes out. We we downloaded the Metopia demo. Um, Macy really liked it. It's kind of, uh, uh, I guess, it's, yeah, I guess it's an RPG, kind of, you know, turn-based battle game, but, uh, the fun of it is that, obviously, you get to use and design your own Miis to fill the spot of, uh, NPC characters, characters that are on your party, um, in, like, the class system, uh, what they call our jobs, um, it's really fun, too. When we started, we started with Macy's Me. And her character class was Pop Star, which is sort of a support class. Um, and then when we got, you know, your first sort of added-on party member, um, we made it Mimi, and he was a uh, a chef class. So he could hit really hard, but he could also like feed and support his team members. Um, and then oh, who else do we add? We added our friend Amanda as a. Sorcerer, wizard, witch, might have been a mage. I think it's a mage. Um, so she got to be like a little witch with a spellcasting wand and stuff. Um, and then we added Max, and Max's me was a, a a knight, and we gave him cool anime hair. That was fun. Um, but yeah, we're we're looking forward to when that game comes out because you can add way more me's in there. There's more character classes. I'm looking forward to it. There's a there's a post game which is good. Um, and that'll keep us busy until something else comes out for the Switch. Um, be nice if Digimon Survive came out for the Switch. That was announced, like, two freaking years ago. <laughs> uh, the virus it slowed everything down. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, the front on the gaming side of things. Uh, what else? Probably nothing else. I should probably get to what I'm, what I'm gonna talk about. Um... Again, there wasn't too much I wanted to talk about this week. I, I wanted to talk about the Marvel Phase 4 stuff, because that's kind of the most recent talked-about thing right now. Um, so I don't know if this is going to be a super long podcast. It, it might end up being, like, half an hour to 45 minutes. But, like, knowing me, I'll, I'll freaking ramble. So, like, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a short one. Um, I am working on the... So, like, a couple weeks ago, I did, I did the whole, like, four-episode um, rebooting... D not rebooting, but, like, republishing DC Comics. Like, pitching a whole new line of, like, DC comic books. I am working on that for Marvel Comics as well. Uh, it's nearly done. There's only, like, four titles that I really need to kind of brainstorm on. But, uh, yeah. For now, we're, we're just kind of doing this filler stuff. Which, I don't know. I feel like it's probably good. It, it keeps variety. It's not the same thing every week. But, uh, yeah, let's get to talking about the Space War stuff. Alright, so Marvel Entertainment put out this, uh, like, four, like, three-minute video called Marvel Studios Celebrates the Movies. And, and it was just a, a nice big celebration of, you know, the movies they've done already. Some clips from their, you know, various movies and stuff. Um... I don't know if there was any clips from TV shows. There might have been. Um, at least, like, the Disney Plus stuff. They're still not going to talk about the Netflix stuff, which is uh, disappointing. Um, I'm pretty sure they showed some Peggy Carter stuff. 
I don't know about Agent of the Shield. I really should have just rewatched the whole thing, but I didn't. It's because I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but in this uh, video, we got to see a little bit of the Eternals. I'm going to be talking about three things mainly: uh, the Eternals, uh, the new Black Panther movie, and the new Captain Marvel movie. Uh, I I'm not going to be talking about like the Spider-Man stuff or the Fantastic Four stuff just yet. Um, but in terms of the Eternals, so, like, basically all the brain power in my head that could be remembering stuff about the Eternals is usually spent remembering that the Inhumans and the New Gods exist. Uh, they all kind of feel like they're in the same wheelhouse of, like, big science fiction superhero concepts, but very little in terms of, like, pop culture and exposure, um... Like, the only thing about Inhumans that I'm really interested in is Miss Marvel. And she is super... Like, she's an Inhuman, but she has, like, nothing to do with the Inhumans. Um, but in terms of the Eternals, I do... I, I know what they are. You know, I, I get the gist. You know, and I think... So, the Eternals are a group of Marvel superhero characters who are kind of like the first heroes in the Marvel uh, universe. I'm sure they've retconned that before in the comics, because comics. But uh, the whole premise is that the Celestials, which are these giant alien robots, they were in Guardians 1 in like a flashback or something. Um, the Celestials created all these planets. When they created Earth, they created these things called the Deviants to sort of protect Earth from evil. And the Deviants ended up being evil, so that kind of, you know, shot them in the face. So the Deviants were like these evil monsters. I think... I think Thanos might be a Deviant. But, but we'll talk more about that in a second. So he created the Deviants. Ew, evil monsters, gross. Don't look at them, they're ugly. So then the Celestials were like, oh, well that didn't work. I know, let's try that again. And so they create the Eternals. And the Eternals are like these gorgeous you know, beautiful people who are perfect and have all these powers, and it's their job to keep the deviants from corrupting the Earth. Um, and if I remember right, Thanos' parents, I think one of them might have been an Eternal and one of them might be a deviant, or both of them are deviants. I really can't remember. But I know he's related to the Eternals in some regard. I don't think they'll, I don't think that, that'll be in consideration. I mean, maybe it will, because we don't know much about Thanos' life in the MCU prior to, you know, his first appearance. Um, and from what I understand, the Eternals movie is going to be a movie that takes place over, like, the entire history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's very possible by the end of the film, or in a post credit scene or something, a Eternal or Deviant character we meet... I don't even know if the Deviants are in this, honestly. I haven't seen anything from them in the trailer or in, like, the cast list or anything. Um, I think one of the Eternals actually is a, a villain. So, like, hold on, I'm going to punch up this movie on Wikipedia real quick. Because I know one of them goes from being a hero to a villain in the comics. So I want to know Eternals film. Yeah, here we go. Dru Druig. Druig. Okay, cool. Um... Okay, so yeah, I don't know if any, I don't think any, uh, oh no, the, okay, so the, the Wikipedia premise, let me read this real quick before I keep talking. After an unexpected tragedy following the events of Avengers Endgame, the Eternals, an immortal alien race created by the Celestials, 
who have secretly lived on Earth for over 7,000 years, reunite to protect humanity from the evil from their evil counterparts, the Deviants. Okay, so the Deviants are going to be in this. To what extent, I'm not sure. Um, interesting. I hadn't read that until now. But, like, yeah, the, the Eternals are just, you know, the Celestials' secret uh, superhero team. Uh, they were created by Jack Kirby, which is why they sound kind of wacky. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think I've gone through the cast of this before, but like to, to point out a couple like key names that I know pretty well, um, Angelina Jolie is like a lead character in this movie. She's Thena, who... So the other thing... Okay. <laughs> the other thing about the Eternals is that because they're superheroes that have been on Earth for 7,000 years they've sort of adopted the mythology of, like, other cultures. So, like, Thena, when you see her in this movie, is kind of like Wonder Woman because I think she, like, she was there for, like, ancient Greece. Um, she's, like, a warrior woman. And she can create, like, light swords and stuff. I think they all have the same powers. In the comics, anyway, every Eternal has the same set of powers, but... Some of them are better at some things than other things. So, like, every Eternal can create illusions. But some of them are better at it because they've just done it more. So it's kind of like in a video game, you know, when you and your friend start... Like, if you and your friend start the same video game at the same time and it has, like, a stat system, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've been going through the game, and I'm just dumping all the uh, EXP upgrades into strength, so my guy's really tough. But your friend who's running the same character and has gotten to the same point in the game as you have, instead of dumping it all in strength, they've dumped it all in, like, speed. You know, like, I'm not really, like, strong, but I always go first. That's the that's the kind of thing. Like, every, every one of these characters is capable of the same thing, but some of them are better at one thing than another. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But yeah, Angelina Jolie is going to be in this. Uh, comedian Kuma, Kumal Najiadi. I love him, dude. He's super funny. Um, I've seen him in stuff... He, he had that movie where he was, like, an Uber driver. I didn't see it, but I wanted to. So that's just as good, right? Um, but he's cool. And from what I understand, uh, you know, he, he's, again, a comedian. But for this role, he got jacked, dude. He's in really good shape. It's actually really, like, awesome that... Like, I don't know how many comedians are willing to, like, just go on a complete, like, muscle diet. I mean, it is a Marvel movie. So, like... And I... I'm sure his character will be funny. Who's he? Who is he? Kingo. I'm not familiar with Kingo. He might not be one of like the standout. Yeah, from my understanding, he's more of an obscure Eternal. But like, he wanted his performance to find the wisecracking attitude of John McClane and a Bollywood actor, right? Because his guy, <laughs> instead of Kingo being like a superhero, he goes into being like a a, a Bollywood star. So that's kind of fun. So he'll be a funny character, but like I'm excited to see again the build, and assumedly he'll have a bit more character stuff to do. Um, who else do I know in this cast? Uh, Selma Hayek is in this movie. <laughs> like that's what I really love about the Eternals movie already is that the cast is like, like, like other than Kumail Nanjiani who is a comedy actor and stuff. Like it, it has people that like are pretty well known. You know, like, like who, who would ever expect some, I mean, wasn't some hack and like, 
she, was she in Jonah Hex? I don't think she was in Jonah Hex. I think I'm, so, I think I'm thinking of someone else. But, like, you're, you're getting these actresses who, in actors, who aren't, like, you wouldn't associate them with, like, a Marvel movie. You wouldn't think, like, I, I wouldn't think Angelina Jolie would be in a, in a Marvel movie, ever. Let alone The Eternals. Um, yeah, Selma Hayek as Ajax. Again, I think she's I think pretty obscure character. Some sort of healing character. That's kind of cool. Um, anyone else I know on this list? Oh, Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow in uh, uh, the the game that their Game of Thrones. Um, fittingly, he's playing Dan Whitman, who is the Black Knight. <laughs> um, and then like, oh, who else was recently cast for this? Um, no, no, he wasn't cast for this. I, there was rumors that Hercules in Marvel. Hercules is basically like actual Greek mythology Hercules, but more fun and less, um, problematic. <laughs> but Hercules, he's like a, he's like a, he's similar to Thor in Marvel comics. He's, but like classic, like fun loving swashbuckling Thor. Um, Hercules is rumored to be in this movie and they just casted Hercules's father, Zeus as Russell Crowe, well, they casted Russell Crowe as Zeus for Thor Love and Thunder. So there's some connectivity there, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that connectivity like actually works. Like it, it's cool that this Eternals movie is is like a history piece, you know. Like we're seeing the beginning of the of the Eternals up to the modern day. Um, I'm interested to see how the whole Deviant thing works out. But uh, yeah, one of the other Eternals I talked about a little bit or I mentioned, um, Druig. Uh, he's being played by Barry. Kyohan? Kogan? Can't, uh, it's K-E-O-G-H-A-N. Um, but Druig, again, not a character I'm familiar with, but I do understand that he is an Eternal that sort of... He's kind of like, like Magneto or Maximus the Mad from the Inhumans. He is a member of the Eternals who doesn't really hang out with the rest of them, and he doesn't agree with the way the Eternals interact with, uh, mankind, I think he wants to just take over the Earth, honestly, like, instead of watching, because, like, all the Eternals sort of blend into their respected, like, communities and stuff, like, they're just blending into society, from what I understand, Druig wants to, like, take over the world, like, instead of just being a silent protector, he wants to, like, police state the Earth, basically, so that's gonna be an interesting, uh, Interesting villain for this. Again, I'm surprised it's him, but also the Deviants will be in this. Maybe they won't. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of hope they are. Because, like, the other thing about the Eternals, again, from what I understand, the reason mutants exist is because of Deviants uh, interbreeding with humans, like, with, with, uh, with, like, early humans, basically. Like, the reason we have mutants is because Deviants hooked up with humans a million years ago. So, I mean, that's a good way. Again, that's a, I think that's a decent way of sort of leading into mutants. Like, from a, not from a character perspective or, like, a, a, a location perspective. It's like, because they have kind of done that. They used Mandrapore in um, Sam and Bucky, and that's, like, an X-Men-based location. Um, what's the other one? A lot of the Scarlet, a lot of the Scarlet Witch stuff, kind of came from X Men comics and and in the in Wandavision, but like, 
slowly leading into the X-Men stuff, and I think probably using Eternals and the Deviants to do that is a smart idea. Like, like I said before, we might get a thing where it's like, oh, this is who Thanos' parents are. Or we might get a thing where it's like, you see a Deviant fall in love with a human, then you see like their, their family lineage throughout the years, and eventually, like their descendants bear a child and name the child, like, uh, I don't know, Charles Xavier or something, you know? That'd be kind of cool. That'd be a cool way of doing it. It's not too much, but it's enough to be like, oh, that's where, that's where mutants come from. Because I think in, like, the X-Men movies and stuff, other than, like, Apocalypse, they never really talk about where the X-Gene comes from. So this would be a cool chance for the MCU to do their own kind of uh, twist on, or not twist, this is literally how it works in the comics. But uh, their own version of that. So yeah, Eternals will be coming out November 5th, 2021. So, you know, towards the end of this year. Um, I think. Is that when November is? Damn it. I'm being caught. I've, I've been exposed. I don't know how months work. <laughs> It'll be coming out this year. So, that's fun. Um Skipping over a couple other movies here, in July 8th of 2022, we are getting the Black Panther sequel, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, now again, we all know why this, it sucks to say this, but we all know why there's added interest in this movie. Um, obviously, Chadwick Boseman passed away, and it's kind of up in question as to what they're going to do with the Black Panther um, movie series. Like, if they're going to actually kill off T'Challa in the movies, or what. Um, or if they'll just focus on other characters and try to avoid that. Um, you know... I don't know, man. Like, it, it's really... It's a really, like... There's no direction that would make it any less painful to think about, like, if they don't kill off T'Challa, that means they either have to recast him, which I don't think anyone wants to do, <laughs> or they just never, like, use him in a movie. They just say he's off doing stuff, and I feel like you can only do that for so long, because it's not like he's a side character, like, as much as I love Happy Hogan, if, Iron if in Iron Man 2, Happy Hogan wasn't in it, and they said, oh, yeah, he's taking a vacation or something, and we just never saw him again. You know, I'm sure people would talk about it, but no one would be, but he'd be, like, crazy upset about it. But, like, with Black Panther, he's, he's, T'Challa's the main character, you know? Um, so I kind of feel like you can't do that, but at the same time, would it, would it be, uh man, would it be disrespectful if T'Challa died in the movies, you know, like, especially after everything that, like, especially after his actor had passed away, and especially after, in the context of the movies, he just fought in, uh, in the war and Endgame, you know, and Infinity War, but, you know, Endgame as well, like, he just went through this epic battle, like, would it be weird for him to, because I'm assuming if, if T'Challa died, in the movies, it would be in some heroic sacrifice sort of way. Maybe not a war, but, like, if there were any place to have that character heroically sacrifice himself, it would be, like, in, in Endgame or something. Um, I really don't know. And, like, it's, it sucks, man. It really sucks. 
because um, I don't want to, you, I don't want, like, the fact that this person died from cancer, no less, to, like, sort of dictate my opinion on a movie, or even, even for those two things to cross. Like, I feel gross right now, even, like, talking about this movie and treating the death of Chadwick Boseman like like a handicap, you know? Um, so I really don't know what they're going to do for this. Like, it, it'd be a different story if Chadwick Boseman was alive and just didn't want to do these movies anymore. But, like, Ryan Coogler, the director of the Black Panther movies, and, you know, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios as a whole, they're, like, they're walking on really thin ice, and there's no water under the ice. Like, it's... They have to be so careful and, like, like, cautious and wise about what they're gonna do. Because everyone who knows who Chadwick Boseman is, like, respected him and, and still respect, respects him. And, like, I'm sure they're gonna try to find a way to be respectful to him and pay homage to him and, and like, acknowledge everything that he did as an actor and as a person... But they're also going to want to continue on this franchise, you know, mainly for money. But secondly, in honor of him, because he, he kicked it off. So, you know, whether T'Challa is alive or dead in this next Black Panther movie, um, it again kind of raises the question, who is it going to focus on? Now, my, my thing is, like, I see this title, Wakanda Forever, and I wonder if it's even a, a sequel to the Black Panther movie, because if they really wanted to avoid the subject of what's going on with T'Challa, which, you know, every other Marvel movie is about the, the journey of a character, and prior to the Black Panther movie, like, other than the Black Panther movie, we've seen T'Challa in Captain America Civil War, and he had a lot of character development in that movie, we saw him in Infinity War, and then in Endgame, and, you know, he was good in those movies too, like... I hate to say it like this, but, like, we've seen enough of T'Challa to where if any of these movie franchises had to go from being a linear story about a character to, like, the history or stories set in a location, Black Panther is kind of the series or franchise to do that with. Like, I know Ryan Coogler had a idea for a Disney Plus show about, like, the world of Wakanda, like, the people in it, like, important characters in, like, that country's history, Wakanda Forever might just be that. Like, it might just be that the Black Panther sequel is not about King T'Challa. It might not even be about any king of Wakanda. It could be about a war general in Wakanda. It could be about a group of, like, inventors in Wakanda. Um, it could be set in a really far future, and we see, you know what Wakanda turns into, if it, like, grows out or anything. Um, a lot of people sort of speculated, okay, like, and, and this, this pissed me off, and I think I talked about this before, but after, <clears throat> after Chadwick Boseman died, I saw a lot of people online saying, okay, well, in the next Marvel movie, like, they should make Shuri Black Panther, because she was sure, because Shuri was Black Panther in the comics for a little while, and that's what they should do. And, like, I don't know. I've I've grown a real disdain for people who like 
it's like something like, something like this happens, and one person, not even this actually. Okay, so to, again, I'm trying to put this in the best the best start and finish that I can in terms of a sentence. But like, when the Black Panther movie was coming out, there were like you know articles and YouTube videos about people who had been the Black Panther in the comics, and it was made by people that you know know those comics or at least have done their research. So videos like that circulate. So then people that like comic book movies, but aren't super into comics, will, you know, comment on stuff, like Chadwick Boseman passing away, and them continuing to make Black Panther movies, and they'll comment, and they'll be like, I imagine it comes from a place of, like, you know, what, like, genuine um, creativity. And I, I stress to say that, because it's... Is it a creative idea to suggest a character in the comics become a superhero the way they did in the comics, but in a movie? I I don't I don't think so. <laughs> like I don't know. I th- maybe it's because I'm just like desaturated to it. Like I've seen so much of that, but like I just don't like the idea that like you would go on like a post about Black Panther and, it, and sometimes it, like. With, with with a lot of characters, actually, sometimes it has nothing to do with the movie. Sometimes it's a Bleeding Cool article about a new Black Panther book that's being written by this writer and being drawn by this artist, and you'll have people in the comments be like, Marvel should just make Shuri the new Black Panther in the next Black Panther movie. And it's like, first of all, we're not talking about the movies. Second of all, like, you're not creative or or, like, intelligent, I guess, for saying that. Like, that's not... I'm not trying to, like, doubt anyone's intelligence or creativity, but, like, it's pointless to say that. Because if you've come to that conclusion, the people that work on those Black Panther movies came to the conclusion before Chadwick Boseman was even casted. You know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't take... Like, it, like I know people probably don't go to the comments and be like... I have an idea. I can't believe no one's thought of this ever before. Do the thing they did in the comics that someone thought of before. Like, that upsets me. And I, I think, it, it, like, because it's such a sensitive subject with, with Bozeman and everything, like, c- could they do that? Could they take Shuri's actress in the Marvel movies and be like, hey, you're going to be the new Black Panther? Yeah, they could. And I'm sure they'd get a lot of support if they did it. But I think that's sort of the obvious thing to do. And I think that, again, in honor of Chadwick Boseman, and because he made such an impact as Black Panther, and just based on the way... Because, like, based on the way the MCU works, I don't think they're going to do that. And, like... Because the MCU doesn't necessarily do what's obvious, you know? Like... Like, I was... Okay, I'm trying to think of a good example here. I was pretty certain that Steve Rogers was going to die in Captain America Civil War because in the comics, right after Civil War, the comic ended, the comic event ended, uh, he was quote-unquote killed and Bucky eventually became the new Captain America. So I thought, going into Captain America Civil War, okay, Steve's going to die, Bucky's going to take the shield, Bucky's going to be the new Captain America for a while. That isn't what happened, and I'm I'm happy that it didn't happen. Every time I think about it, I'm happy it didn't happen. 
because again that would be the obvious thing to do and it would have robbed us of a lot of interesting character stuff and it would also like like subjugate these characters into boxes where it's like no see steve has to die because in the comics he did in this direct way or oh bucky has to be captain america because in the comics he was bucky he was captain america so it has to happen this way and you know maybe it's just because marvel like the marvel movies are so good about like adaptation and the way they represent their characters from the comics but like i like the fact that the mcu takes these different directions and takes and like just doesn't they don't do exactly like what you know what the comics did like I don't know how many people ever think about this, because, like, it doesn't come up that often. In the comics, Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk because a gamma bomb went off near him. A bomb went off near him, and instead of dying, he gained the ability to turn into the Hulk, which is, like, a whole different personality, with all these powers, um, and in the comics, they kind of make it supernatural, but, like, that's what I mean. He gets his powers from a, a gamma bomb. In... <laughs> The Marvel Cinematic Universe, canonically speaking, it wasn't a bomb. It was a botched super soldier serum based on gamma radiation that Banner gave to himself as a test, and it turned him into the Hulk. It's completely different, and it never comes up, and that's fine. Just like with the Captain America thing. like After, after the Captain America Civil War movie happened, and like the world moved on... No one ever talked about how, oh, Steve didn't actually die, Bucky is still Bucky. Like, it's different from the comics, and no one talks about it, right? So, I think in regards to this whole Black Panther thing with Shuri becoming Black Panther, I don't think they're going to do it. And I think after Wakanda Forever comes out and we see exactly what the new direction for these Black Panther movies is going to look like, people aren't going to talk about it again. I mean, it could possibly still happen, but I don't think it's going to be the frequent conversation. And I think it is the frequent conversation right now and back when Bozeman had passed away because for a lot of people, it's the only thing they know and it's the first thing they know about Black Panther is, well, I googled images of Black Panther and one of the images had tits. So that has to mean Shuri was Black Panther, i.e. she has to be Black Panther in the movies. Like, I don't think that's going to happen as often after Wakanda Forever comes out. And I'm really hoping it's more of a, like story about Wakanda itself. I don't need a new Black Panther. I don't need the whole world to be saved by a vibranium, like, sword or something. Like, I just need a story about this this secret country, because Wakanda is interesting by itself, and I think exploring that um, would be really good, <laughs> you know? Especially with a more down-to-earth kind of character. And, like, could Shuri be the lead? Sure. Could M'Baku be the lead? Yes. Could uh, Okoye be the lead? Yes, please. But, like, I don't know. Part of me wants just a regular Wakandan citizen just to see, like, what what that world looks like, you know? There's not... We don't have a Marvel movie that's just about sort of a person on the ground floor. And that's because Marvel movies are superhero movies. But, again... I think Black Panther is the franchise to be experimental with and sort of break that mold and say, no, this isn't a movie about a superhero. This is a world about a fictional, like, city that is amazing to, to find out about and has its own history. Like, it's it's almost a mythology type of movie. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my thoughts on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I know I had a whole rant about 
the Black Panther thing and people kind of jumping to conclusions. But really, I think that, you know, like, oh, excuse me. I think, despite everything that's happened, Ryan Coogler is a good enough director, and Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios are a good enough sort of corporate system to adapt to something as awful as what happened to Chadwick Boseman. Um, and that's that's all being said without the idea that, you know, they might bring Michael B. Jordan back. Because he was a really good character. Uh, his character Killmonger. Um, he was a really good character. Obviously the spirit world exists in in Wakanda. Um, but I guess we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see in July 8th of 2022. Um, a long time to wait, but like... I don't think I'll be speculating too much on this movie. I'm just excited that it's happening, and I'm looking forward to seeing what what else about Wakanda that we can sort of learn from this movie. All right, and then following that, November 11th, 2022, uh, The Marvels, which I'm super excited for, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, so it's 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 been no secret that I'm kind of lukewarm on the Captain Marvel movie. Um, Carol Danvers is a character I think is fine, um, but like, I don't know, I, I just, I, I think I had way higher expectations for that movie than I should have had, um, so I wasn't super into it at the time, but The Marvels, which is the sequel to Captain Marvel, uh, based on the premise, well, I mean, there's no premise, <laughs> based on the director and the people acting in the movie, um, I think you have a, a good reason to, uh, <laughs> to be excited, dude. I really am. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit, right? So Mar the Marvels, which is sort of just like, you know, instead of calling Captain Marvel 2, it's the Marvels. And the idea is that the main three characters are going to be Carol Danvers, played by Brie Larson, uh, Monica Rambeau, played by Tiana, Tiana Paris, um, and then Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, played by Iman Vellani, Vellani, um, and this is really exciting, and I'm, I'm trying to, like, pro, like, not process, but, like, explain this best as I can, um, so we all know Brie Larson, Carol Danvers, she flew through that ship, she took the Infinity Gauntlet from wimpy-ass Peter Parker, um, she punched Thanos, and Thanos punched her back, uh, she got a she got a cool haircut, all that stuff. Um, we know what what Carol Danvers' deal is, and like from from that standpoint, it's like because was it her movie takes place in the '90s, and I'm kind of excited to see like we see her in the '90s, and then in like Infinity War and Endgame, she's busy protecting like space. She's like out in space the whole time, um, so we really don't see her interacting with Earth. This movie, I think, is going to give us our chance at seeing what Carol Danvers' response is to modern America. Because, again, she hasn't been here since the 90s, and when she did come here, she went back to space afterwards, you know? Um, so that's going to be interesting. And then, Tayana... Tayana? Why do I keep fucking up that name? <laughs> Tayana Paris is Monica Rambeau. Um, we first saw Monica Rambeau... In the first Captain Marvel movie, she was, like, a nine-year-old girl. 
Um, then we saw her again in the modern day in WandaVision, which I think when I, when I talked about WandaVision, a lot of the stuff I talked about was like how much I liked Monica Rambeau. She's, she's awesome. Um, and I think it's great. I think it's, it's great not just because she's a really cool character, but because she's really the first prolific, uh, black woman we've seen in like the MCU. If I'm forgetting anyone, I apologize, but like. I think it's a pretty big deal, and like, like her her powers are interesting. She is, she still doesn't like know the full extent of her powers, um, and at least in the comic, she's like a really powerful character. Spectrum, um, what else? She had another name. I know she went by Captain Marvel for a while. She was actually Monica used the Captain Marvel mantle before Carol did, so that's kind of a big deal. And she led the the Avengers, Monica Rambeau. So that's pretty cool too. Um, She's an awesome character, and we know from WandaVision she kind of has some beef with Carol Danvers, her, uh, her, like, a, I guess her pseudo-aunt, you know, but, like, just really her hero, and she, she has some beef with her, so that's gonna be interesting, especially because, again, the third character that we know is gonna be in this movie, um, Kamala Khan, so we haven't met Kamala Khan yet in the MCU, she's, she, the Ms. Marvel show is gonna be on Disney+, Plus live-action, Aman Vellani is Kamala Khan. Uh, I put on the panel by her Facebook page, like, the set photo. It wasn't only really a photo. It was more like a someone took a photo while the thing was going. But, like, you got to see the costume and stuff. Um, it looks great. The Miss, Mar the Miss Marvel show looks great. I love that character. I love her comic. I'm super excited that she's being added to the MCU. Um, she's in that game. I have no opinion about that. I just wanted to acknowledge she's in that game. Um, but that's fun. I don't know. I don't know how much of this because again, she's inhuman. I don't know if they're going to talk about that or even acknowledge that. But she has like shape shifting powers. But Kamala Khan is great, right? But what makes this really interesting, like like just by having these three characters and calling it the Marvels, you already sort of set up what the main like like, group dynamic is gonna be like, right? Because you have Carol Danvers, who's this ultra-confident, like, I went from Air Force to Kree Soldier to Avenger to someone that could punch Thanos in the face. Like, Carol Danvers is riding high. She's got her confidence. Uh, you know, she knows that she set things right and she brought people back from the snap. I mean, she didn't do it. Iron Man did it, but whatever. Like, Carol's gonna come into this movie feeling like a million bucks, right? And she's going to have to be confronted by Monica Rambeau, who, again, she disappeared in the snap. Her mother passed away while she was gone. And I'm assuming she's mad at Carol because, like, Carol didn't care for her mother or she didn't do anything about it or she didn't save her. I don't know. Like, but we know that she has some beef with Carol. Maybe it's just because she never came back to Earth until uh, Infinity War. I think it could be that, because, like, again, if Monica's mother died in the hospital, then assumedly her mom had, like, a medical condition for a while, and the fact that Carol never came back would probably piss off Monica. But, like, you have Monica Rambeau, who, like, idolized Carol when she was a child, but then when she grew into an adult and needed Carol to be there for her, Carol just never came back to Earth, right? So... I'm assuming they're going to have some beef. At the same time, Kamala Khan 
is a, a little girl. She's like a teenager. And she idolizes Carol Danvers. So you have, like, a, a superhero who's kind of full of herself. You have a grown woman who used to idolize this hero, but then realized, like, oh, you, you can't really count on her. She's not as great as she thinks she is. And then you have this teenager with powers and such, and she idolizes the superhero and wants to be just like her. And in the middle, there's this other person who's like, I was just like you. I, I looked up to Carol, too, and she ended up letting me down. I'm just telling you right now, don't get your hopes up. you like, she will shatter your dreams. Like, you have a conflict there, and I think that's going to be really interesting to watch develop. Um, it's, it's really exciting to me that you have a movie with not only three different kinds of characters, but, like, first of all, they're all prolific female characters. That's great, right? That's really good. Second of all, they're all people of different cultural backgrounds. Like, first of all, Carol is, you know, she used to be a soldier and stuff, but, like, she also has, like, weird memory problems. So that's her bag to deal with, you know? Um, and she doesn't really have a lot of family and friends, so she's kind of a loner. Um, but then you have Monica Rambeau, who again, has a dead mom. That's a lot of grief. She just dealt with Wanda. That's a lot of grief as well. And, and they might touch on this, she's a black woman living in modern-day America. That's going to have some effect on her as a person. Um, and at the same time, Kamala Khan is a teenage girl from Jersey City, and she's a Pakistani-American. And that comes with its own, you know, glares and looks from certain people. Like, all these characters have their own set of trauma, and their own set of, like, social issues, and they're all sort of interacting with each other and bouncing off of each other, it's going to have some very, like, I think meaningful, character-driven interactions. And I'm looking forward to that the most, because one of the things about the first Captain Marvel movie I didn't really like was that you had a little bit of character, like, growth and development. Like, when Carol eventually meets up with... Monica Rambeau and Maria Rambeau, you get a little bit of like, oh, here's what Carol looks like when she's being a person with other people. But otherwise, when she's just being a Cree soldier, it's kind of just like blank-faced confidence. And I, I really didn't like that those aspects in the movie. But I did like the parts where she got to be a person. So I think this movie's going to have a bit more heart and a bit more like self-awareness in the way its characters interact with each other. Um, the other thing, too, is that they all have very different powers. Like, Captain Marvel kind of has, like, the paragon of stuff. Energy means flight, super strength, invincibility. She has, like, the basics, right? She can also absorb energy. I don't know if they're going to talk about that. I, I, did they do that in the first one? I really can't remember. <laughs> um, but, like, Monica Rambeau can, like, mimic, redirect, and, and manipulate all forms of energy. Kinetic energy you know, laser blasts, she can phase through stuff, like, she has a whole paragon of powers she doesn't even know about yet, and then Kamala Khan's powers are on the totally opposite spectrum, it's all, like, physically based, it's like, I can grow giant, I can grow small, I can stretch my body, I'm, I'm Reed Richards before Reed Richards is even here, you know, um, so they're all characters that can sort of, they all face a problem in three different ways, um, and the title, like, the Marvels, Obviously, that, that sums up the three of them, but I'm wondering exactly if maybe they're going to try to fit more Captain Marvel-related characters in there, like Marvel Boy, Blue Marvel, um, 
there's other Captain Marvels that are like that. Um, maybe Marvel Girl, huh? Jean Grey, anybody? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a great title. The actual title itself looks good, too, because it incorporates the font from Captain Marvel, the little, like, sword logo patch that's on Monica Rambeau, like, on her, like, sword uniform and stuff. Um, and then it has Kamala Khan's lightning bolt logo that's on her costume, which I guess in the context of the MCU, she just came up with. Because in the comics, she stole that from Carol Danvers' original Miss Marvel costume. Um, but still, the font looks cool. <laughs> I, I'm a big stickler. I'm a bit of a stickler for, uh, for fonts and titles and movies. I really am. Um, and then the only other thing we really know is this actress... Zawei Ashton. Uh, she's gonna be the villain in this uh, Marvels movie, the Marvels. Movie. That's gonna be fun. That's gonna be funny to talk about. Marvels, the Marvels. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's gonna be the villain in this one, and uh, that's cool too. Get yeah, female female character. I'm hoping she's uh, Moonstar. Moonstar. <laughs> Moonstar was like a, a therapist who became obsessed with Carol Danvers's life. And then use, like, a space rock to become, um... Oh, what was her villain? Uh, Moonstar. Yeah, I just said it. Or is it Moonstone? Hold on, I got... I got a... I got a fucking... Moonstar? Moonstar? No, that's Daniel Moonstar. I'm thinking... That was the X-Men. Hold on. Moonstone. I bet it's Moonstone, guys. Come out and say that right now. It's probably Moonstone. Uh, yep, yeah, it's Moonstone. <laughs> but yeah, um, okay, so, let's see, she's a former psychologist who got her powers from a fusion with a gravity stone designed by the alien Kree. Um, that's funny, because I think Carol got her powers from a, a Kree spacecraft, and the space stone of the Infinity Stone uh, collection, um, so I don't know, they could probably work that in there. Maybe... I mean, I'm kind of hoping she stays a psychologist because I just think that's an interesting profession for a supervillain. Um, that would actually be really cool. It'd be cool if she was, like, a psychologist for soldiers and maybe the first person she interacted with... Or, or maybe not that, but, like... She's, like, a war psychologist, right? Therapist, whatever. And the person that she interacts with the most is, like, a U.S. engineer or a U.S. scientist, or something, who was the first to respond to the explosion that gave Carol her powers. Like, like researchers were looking at, like, the field where it happened, or there's shrapnel, and, like, scientists were looking at it, and one of these scientists interacted with, um, what's Moonstone's actual name? Carla? Carla. Inter you know, interacted with Carla, had therapy sessions, and eventually that power just went to her. I don't know. There's a lot of ways you can tie it together, because there's enough going on with the first Captain Marvel movie and Carla herself, where you can sort of do that. Um, I can see Carla being like like a, a state-mandated therapist for Carol Danvers, and it's like becoming obsessed with her and her life. Like We haven't really had a villain like that in the MCU, like just a normal person who is so into a... Actually, that would make sense. That would actually work really well, because as we said before... Monica Rambeau is a woman that used to idolize Carol Danvers. Kamala Khan is someone that currently idolizes Carol Danvers. So, having a 
psychologist therapist sort of character who is obsessed with Carol Danvers in a more like intense creepy way to the point where she copies her costume and tries to like mimic her powers that would be really cool if she you know maybe she has some stolen Kree technology and uses that to become Moonstone that'd be kind of cool I think that'd be really awesome it'd be a good way of Again, tying into the title, The Marvels, because, uh, what is it, Moonstone was Captain Marvel for a short time. Uh, actually, no, she was Miss Marvel for a short time, because no one could stop her from being Miss Marvel. Um, she was on the Dark Avengers, and again, they're setting up Dark Avengers characters, so, like, I think I figured it out, guys. I think Zawe Ashton is Carla Soften, uh, Moonstone, and I think The Marvels, as a movie, is gonna deal with the idea of obsession and idolization it's going to teach you not to look up to your idols to remember that even the people you respect the most are still people and they're still human and they still make mistakes and the exact example of that is going to be monica who's disappointed in, in carol kamala who's you know hopeful for carol and then the villain moonstone who is so confident and so in belief of carol that she's going to try to take her identity. There it is. Figured it out. I'm, I hope that's the movie. I hope I'm not really wrong. I hope Zawe isn't like the fucking high evolutionary or some shit. Um, that's my prediction. Alright. here's the uh, Here we are. The Z-lister of the week. Pew, 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 pew. I don't have a theme song for this. Um, as you guys know, I like talking about comic book characters. Um, and I'm a big fan big fan of obscure comic book characters like like the monocle <laughs> and uh demolition man and today's subject of discussion dc comics the protector aka jason hart created by marv wolfman and george prez premiering in okay let me let me point this out first marv wolfman and george prez were writing the Teen Titans book, uh, throughout the 1980s into the 90s, um, and they, everything you like about the Teen Titans is because of Wolfman and Perez, I'm pointing that out right now, uh, he's, they're the ones that were like, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Raven, Starfire, they're on the Teen Titans, they're the ones that were like, hey, Robin's not Robin anymore, he's Nightwing, um, they're the ones who are like, Wally West can be on the team, uh, they're the ones who put, like, Deathstroke as their villain. They're responsible for probably most of the things that you might like about, uh, the Teen Titans. Uh, so, pay homage to them, I guess. Um, but I say that because they created Jason Hart. And Jason Hart wasn't, uh, this is the reason I wanted to talk about him. Jason Hart, the Protector, is a character that didn't exist in the Teen Titans comic book. He didn't exist in the DC Universe, really, until uh, the new Teen Titans drug awareness special in 1983, which was published by DC Comics in cooperation with... It was sponsored by Keebler, the, uh, the, the, the snack manufacturer... Um, they're, they're like the the Keebler elves, like you know, they belong to them. Um, the Keebler company sponsored this comic. It was a drug awareness comic written by uh, Marv Wolfman and, and drawn by George Perez, and it used the Teen Titans because they were you know big shit in the nineteen eighties. Um, 
but like what like wh how does Jason fit into this story, right? So before I tell you how this happens, um, let me let me tell you this. The reason Jason Hart, the protector, protector, the reason he's in this drug special, which is like a weird place to put a new character unless it's a villain, I guess. But he, it's not like he does drugs in his first appearance anyway. Um, the the idea here is that Keebler went to you know DC Comics and they were like, "Hey, we want you you guys, we want your Teen Titans guys." to write a drug special where, you know, we can tell the kids, hey, don't do drugs, right? It's an anti-drug thing, right? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm reading the uh, the wiki right now. It says, coincidentally with the issue, coincidentally with the issue was an anti-drug cartoon television advertisement that may have been a test for a Teen Titans television show. Oh, can you imagine? Uh, as Robin was already a member of the popular Super Friends, he would not be available despite the fact that he hardly appeared outside of the drug issue comics. He oh, he's regarded as a member of the team as confirmed in DC's Who's Who update 1987 comic. Okay, that's in regards to Protector. Um, but no, what I was getting to was the deal with this was that Keebler wanted to do this comic with the Teen Titans. The problem is um, Nabisco, which is another food manufacturing company in America. Um, I I guess. Uh, Robin, Dick Grayson, Robin, you know, whatever. Uh, and I'm guessing Batman is because uh, it'd be weird if Nabisco is like, we just want Robin for our advertisements. So the idea is that Batman and Robin, their advertisement rights were in the hands of Nabisco. I think, I don't know how rights work, I'm not in the legal field, but what I'm assuming is that. Characters like Batman and Robin, there are people that have the TV rights, there are people that have the movie rights, there are people that have video game rights, that kind of situation. And I'm guessing one of them was, like, food advertisement rights, you know? Um, in a lot of older comics, you would see ads for, like, Twinkies, or, like, like famously, in a lot of old ads, there would be, like, you're reading a comic, like a Marvel comic, and there'll be, like, an ad for, like, Little Debbie's Snack Cakes... And Spider-Man is trying to stop like a, 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 a speeding truck from crashing because it has little dippy snap, snack cakes in it. Like, stuff like that would just happen. That's how advertisements worked. Um, so in the case in the comics, like for DC, um, yeah, because this was a, a comic, not a freaking TV show. What was I talking about earlier? Um, in the case of DC, um, they would have ads for Nabisco products in their comics, and Batman and Robin would sort of advertise them. So, all that's a long way of getting to the point of, Keebler wanted to do this comic, you know, as, as you know, drug awareness, um, and they wanted to use the Teen Titans, but the problem was, because they were sponsoring the book, Nabisco would have, you know, a, a problem with them using Robin. So, instead of just taking Robin out of the book and, like, I don't know, having, like, Cyborg lead the team... Um, no, they just created a new character, you know, Perez and Wolfman, they created a new character that was similar enough to Robin that he could fill in his spot, but different enough that Nabisco couldn't sue, <laughs> right? And characters like this who exist only because of, uh, legal shenanigans, uh, are instantly interesting to me because 
there's a story behind their conception, and it's not one that came from a, a genuine interest in making a character like this. So, so they created Jason Hart, and he was a member of the Teen Titans in this book. Um, I haven't read the book myself, but Robin isn't in it at all. I think they mentioned him, though. I think they, they, they mention him as Nightwing, but not as Robin. So that way, they can sort of get around the use of Robin in a, in a, in a food advertisement thing. Um, even though it wasn't an advertisement, it was a, it was a sponsor. But uh, again, we're going re- to read the wiki right now. <clears throat> Here we go. Jason Hart is a high school student and an expert in sports. Which sports? He doesn't tell you. Um, until the day he discovered that his little cousin Ted got hooked on some drugs. That's literally... Oh my god. Uh, I kind of want to put this on like a Twitter or a Facebook. But it, the first sentence of the Protector's fictional character biography on Wikipedia is... Jason Hart is a high school student who... Wait, Jason Hart is, an, is a high school student and an expert in sports until the day he discovered his little cousin Ted got hooked on some drugs. Hooked on some drugs. Good lord. You know, maybe that's the way they put it in the books, but, like, the fact that it's in the wiki just makes me laugh. Um, his little cousin Ted, who I guess he's close to, who's really, I mean, I'm, I'm close to my cousins, kind of, but, like, not enough that, like, I mean, I, I guess if Riley started doing drugs, I'd probably be aware of it and, and dress up as the protector and stop her. <laughs> um, okay. After his parents tried to talk Ted out of drugs... Jason learned of his love of superheroes and became a superhero called the Protector. Okay, so he became the Protector to trick Ted. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming... Oh, God, that's super funny. So, like... So, like, Jason puts on a superhero costume. So, like, they... Okay. What this actually translates to is... Hey, we couldn't get your cousin Ted to stop doing drugs, but you know what? Um, he likes superheroes, so maybe you could be a superhero. <laughs> I mean, the parents didn't suggest that. I'm sure that was just Jason's idea, but like, I just like the idea of Jason being like, "Wait, I can reach, I can reach Ted. I just have to relate to him on something he likes. I could talk about superheroes, or maybe get the help of a superhero. No, I'll become a superhero. I'll risk my life for Ted." puts on a superior outfit, like, like, did, I, I like to think he went to Ted as the protector, was like, I'm the protector, and I'm here to tell you not to do drugs, and Ted is like, cousin Jason, what the hell are you doing? Why are you dressed up? You're so embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. Became a superior called the protector, like, that's the whole reason, okay. Uh, in order to save Ted, protector fought the drug dealers which attracted the attention of Nightwing. While making him an honorary member of the Teen Titans, Nightwing trained Protector in the art of hand-to-hand combat. Okay. See, again, didn't read the book. I wonder if this is something that's just said in a dialogue box or if they use flashback panels and show Nightwing. Because I think that might be okay. Like, technically Nightwing is Robin, but technically he's he's wearing a different costume, so maybe they could get away with it. Um, that's really interesting to me. Because you... You'd think, some like if they were that concerned, you'd think that they would think, no, no, Nabisco will, will find out that Nightwing is Robin and they'll sue us. Like, I don't know, I, I don't know how that works, but like, 
again, I can only assume this is all in a dialogue box and they don't actually show Nightwing talking to to protect her. I might look up these panels in a little bit just to be exactly sure. I should have I should have downloaded this book or something, but I don't know how to go about doing that. So, yeah, and that's cool too that Nightwing is like, I'll train this kid, sure. Like, basically, Nightwing turns Jason Hart into, like, his Robin for a little while. Um, which is kind of cool. Again, if they actually use this character more often, I could see him being an interesting kind of parallel to Nightwing. Um, yeah. I think I think when I pitched my Nightwing book, I might have mentioned the Protector. Like, he would have been a cool character for Nightwing to, like, meet and train in, like, a solo comic. That'd be kind of cool. Um... I also like that the protector. I like that with no formal hand-to-hand -hand training, the protector successfully fought off drug dealers. Like I don't know, does it say where he's from? I don't think it says where he's from. But the fact that this kid fought off actual drug dealers, to like, like he didn't even well in order to save Ted. So I'm guessing Ted went to buy drugs, didn't have the money. Drug dealers, the drug dealers pull out their drug knives. And then the protector just fought them off. I mean, it's the DC universe, so, like, the drug dealers could have been scared of him, just assuming he had powers, even though he doesn't. You know? I think that's probably a real thing that happens in the DC universe, where you're just doing whatever, and there's some guy in a costume, and you're like, oh, shit, uh, don't hurt me, superhero or villain. I'm assuming you have powers. Let's see. Uh, Alright, so that's his first appearance. They explain his origin... He helps the Teen Titans uh, keep someone off of drugs. Again, I didn't read the book. I'll do maybe I'll do a follow up to this episode where I talk about the Protector again. That'd be kind of fun, like a quick like mini comic buffet where I talk about the uh, drug awareness special. Um, so you get that origin story. Uh, Jason, okay, Jason finally made another appearance, attending a superhero party held by Beast Boy. Later, he also appeared in, in the Infinite Crisis hardcover, hardcover collected edition in an added two-page spread. Okay, so we got to be in one of those DC Comics two-page spreads. That's fun. Um, so he, he really only appeared in, like, cameo appearances. Um, this is the next sort of, like, th this character, like, to, to give you an idea, his fictional character biography on his Wikipedia is a paragraph and, like, four sentences like basically two paragraphs work worth of, of character background um so he appears in that drug special in, in 83 he appears in like cameo appearances here and there and then in what year was this hold on 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 and then in 2018 right <laughs> meant the 1980s cameos a little bit here and there he finally reappears in 2018 in the much blind, much revolted um, Tom King DC event story, Heroes in Crisis. Maybe we'll talk about Heroes in Crisis more at some point. But the idea is that all these superheroes have like, like an artificial therapy house. Like you go into this house in like Kansas and it turns out to be this like really big... Um, like, I hate, I don't like to say, like, asylum or, or mental institution, but it's basically a mental institution. You go, like, all the people that work there are actually robots, and you do, like, these therapy sessions in front of cameras and stuff to, like, catalog your progression as you get over your trauma. Like, 
there's there's one character named Blue Jay who has the power to shrink. And in his therapy session, he mentions that there was a time where he couldn't control his powers. And so he would wake up in the middle of the night, like, really small and swimming in an ocean of, like, bed sheets. Like, shit like that, you know? There's a simulation where it's like, uh, who is it? Was it Booster Gold? Was it someone else? Oh, God, who was it? Now, now I'm going to be pissed off that I can't remember who it is. There's a superhero whose, like, problem is, like, he's not afraid of death, I think. And he, he does these therapy simulations where he's shot by a laser and experiences, like, near death. Because the laser's not real, but it's real enough that it tricks him to thinking he's dying. And then he isn't afraid, so he does it again until eventually, like, it will cause fear. Um, stuff like that. Like, it's not... <laughs> From the surface, it's like, oh, a therapy center for superheroes. That's that's really cool, and it's all uh, anonymous, so, like, you know, no one's, like, triggered, or, you know, no one's secrets are crossing over to other people. But then you hear about, like, the cameras and the simulation rooms, and it's like, oh, no, this isn't okay. And this is all built by, like, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. This isn't okay at all. <laughs> um, but I mentioned, that's what Heroes in Crisis basically is, and... Throughout the events of Heroes in Crisis, um, you get these comic panels of, again, characters like Firestorm and Black Canary and, like, Superman and stuff having these little, like, kind of, like, cutaways in, like, the office or something. Like, it's like you're in this room with the superhero and they're talking to the camera. Like, it's a cutaway or, or a talking head moment. Um, they're kind of like interviews, too, you know, kind of like those. But uh, one of the characters that gets... Um, I think one panel. I think I think I think Jason Hart gets one panel. He gets one panel in one of these Heroes in Crisis books, where he's in the room and he's talking to the camera. And uh, I have the image here. I'm gonna pop it up real quick so I can read it verbatim. Um, and he looks just like he did when they created him. They didn't like update his design or anything. He's wearing the same costume, uh, same race, and all that. Eventually, this image will pop up on my desktop. There it is. Um, so yeah, it says the, the protector, and it shows the room behind him, and he's sitting there. Um, and yeah, he looks like he's a teenager, I guess. Uh, and like it says, the protector, and then his dialogue box is, he's talking to the camera, and he goes, I am against drugs. That's kind of what I do. Or all I do, really. Um, actually, I think he got more. Hold on, I'm going to pause this and actually look at how many panels Protector got. Okay, I did a little bit more uh, digging into this. Um, I did find panels from the original um, Teen Titans drug special. Uh, I won't cover that today, but I promise I'll, I'll get back to it because it is an interesting topic. Um, okay, so I pulled up these two panels from Heroes in Crisis. One of them uh, has... Like, basically, I pulled up all of the Protector stuff from Heroes in Crisis. He gets one full page of panels, which is, you know, more than I expected for the protector of all people. And then he appears kind of in like a, a group panel here. Um, the first panel is just characters introducing themselves, their sort of catchphrase or tag-along or whatever, and then how long they've been in the, the therapy. It's called Sanctuary. How long they've been in Sanctuary. So, like, the first one is, like, Commander Steel... The Indestructible Man, I've been here three weeks. Uh, and then later on we got Gnark, The Last Cro-Magnon, Cro 12 Days. We get one that says Nemesis, 
just that, no tag along name. I got a week behind me. And there's one for the protector, and it says, Protector, just say no. This is my fourth week. Right? And then later on, uh, we get an actual, like, you know, little sit down with the protector. He gets nine, nine, pa uh, nine panels on this one page. And uh, he kind of starts with what I read earlier. I am against drugs. That's kind of what I do, or all I do, really. Um, he, he looks at the camera and he points and he goes, Don't take drugs, or else. And then he's just sitting there silently for one panel. And then the middle panel, like, one, two, three, four, so like the fifth panel, he's like, I took a lot of drugs. <laughs> while I was saying, while I was saying that stuff, I was doing a lot of other stuff. That was the opposite of the stuff I was saying. Jesus Christ, Tom King, why do you write this way? Sometimes I thought it was funny. I would laugh. The stupidity of it. It was so stupid. Everyone's so stupid. Don't do drugs or else. So I did a lot of stuff and then, like, everything. I thought it was a joke. I was a joke. I didn't think words meant anything. They were my words. You can do what you want with your own words. But then I I became... I was... My whole life was just or else. So, if you can bear how that was written, um, basically the retcon that Tom King makes is... I mean, in context with the rest of Jason Hart's backstory, kind of sad, actually. Um, he basically says that Jason Hart... Like, his origin still went the way it was, but while he was telling Ted to not do drugs, and while he was fighting against the use of drugs, Jason was doing them in the back. And he, he, he didn't think it mattered, because he thought that people considered him a joke, so it didn't matter what he did or what he said. So, if it doesn't matter, why not take drugs? Um... And unfortunately, this couldn't be expanded on anymore. Um, because at the end of Heroes in Crisis, a bunch of characters are killed, and the Protector is among the people that are murdered by Wally West. So, two birds, one stone. You ruin Wally West, and you kill off a character that you could have used for more stories about drug addiction, you know? Um, and it kind of says a lot that, like, not only, you know, because again, it's it's like, oh yeah, it is kind of ironic that the Protector, a character who was all about preventing drug use, actually had a drug addiction problem. Like, that says a lot, and that's kind of interesting, and it, it would open doors for any other character that was doing that kind of thing. But because it was the Protector, this, like, one-off joke character that was created for, like, this, like corporate-sponsored drug awareness comic, no one took him seriously. It was just like, oh, yeah, he's there because Robin couldn't be. Whatever. No one's going to remember him. Maybe we'll put him in the background of a few panels, but whatever. He's nothing, right? And then to bring him back and be like, oh, he knew he was nothing. That's why he was taking drugs while he was fighting a war against it. Like, that's a character. Like, as much shit as I give Tom King, he kind of made Jason Hart this, like, three-dimensional character in the span of one page. So that's kind of cool. Um, and again, it's not like... Because, yeah, he's got this lame costume. He doesn't have any powers. He just has, like, formal hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, and his whole thing is fighting against drugs. Like, he's a pretty simplistic character. But you add that layer of, like, hypocrisy to him and what he thinks of himself. And it 
it really brings to light, like, you know, it, it brings a question, really. It's like, okay, was he doing drugs because drugs were such a big thing in the 80s? Or did he get hooked on drugs because he became known as that lame superhero that fights against drugs? You know, would he be addicted to drugs if he never fought against them, basically? Um, I think that's kind of an interesting idea for a character. Like, honestly, Jason Hart, they could have done stuff with him. <laughs> you know, just because they made him as a one-off character. Um, you know, if Tom King wrote a whole thing about him. Because, again, there's not a lot of characters, other than, like, Roy Harper, that you can, like, tell a story about drug addiction with. So, yeah, before we get more into, like, the Protector's background and stuff, like, because I do, I do want to, like, put out some final thoughts. Um, while I was researching the Protector, I found this alternate version of him, um, that I think is kind of interesting, and, like, feels like a completely different character, because <laughs> it kind of is. Um, so, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you, a smart listener, are familiar with the Teen Titans TV show. Not Teen Titans Go! <laughs> the Teen Titans TV show from, like, 2003. It was sort of American anime. Uh, Robin, Cyborg, Starfire, Beast Boy, Raven. Uh, Deathstroke wasn't Deathstroke, he was Slade. Because you can't say Deathstroke, I guess. Um, that show, right? Well, uh, with that show came a tie-in comic book. I think it, I, think, I think it came out after the show ended. Um, but the tie-in comic book was called uh, Teen Titans Go! Not to be confused with the show, we're not talking about that. Sorry, I, I keep pausing, I swear. I get the most texts when I'm recording. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, Teen Titans cartoon. They did a Teen Titans uh, tie-in comic book to that cartoon based in that universe, right? Um, and in those comics, they got to do a lot of stories that they couldn't do in the cartoon show, including using kind of uh, characters maybe they weren't allowed to use or just never got around to. Um... In, let me make sure I got the right issue here. Do, 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 do. Yeah, here we go. Um, he appeared for three... Okay, so in Teen Titans Go! issue number 52 in April of 2008, um, the Teen Titans dealt with this new mysterious superhero who kind of like... It was several new superheroes, basically. But like this new superhero who was just kind of appearing on the scene... And, and, uh, it was, like, a group. I'm, I'm trying to, like, explain it without explaining it, but, like, basically the idea is that there was this kid named Robert Reed, who was just some kid, and he, um, found this, this device. It was a mystical amulet. Um, and, like, from what I understand, yeah, the amulet, it's the, it's the H dial, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't know if I ever talked about this. The H-Dial is a magical DC object that, when you dial it, it turns you into a, a random superhero. Um, sometimes it's one that exists, like Plastic Man or The Flash, but most often it's a superhero that doesn't exist in the DC universe. Um, if it sounds familiar, the dial H... The H-Dial, sorry, was the inspiration for Ben 10, right? So, in the Teen Titans Go comic... Um, this kid, Robert Reed, finds this amulet, which is, like, that universe's version of the H-Dial, and the amulet would turn him into a superhero, but, here's the catch, here's the difference, it would turn him into a superhero based on whatever superhero was nearest to him. So, in, like, that three-issue story arc, 
um, you know, Cyborg or Beast Boy would be, like, reading a, a newspaper, which no one does, um, and it would be like, hey, there's a new superhero named Lagoon Boy who helped out Aqualad in, you know, South City or whatever, right? And that kind of became a running thing. In, like, newspapers and, and TV articles and stuff, like, the Titans would be seeing, like, these new random superheroes appear and team up with other superheroes. So, Aqualad got help from someone named Lagoon Boy. That was Robert Reed. Um, Robert Reed became Power Boy when he teamed up with Wonder Girl. Uh, what is it? Robert became the Changeling when he teamed up with Beast Boy. Uh, Robert became Jesse Quick when he teamed up with the Kid Flash. Um, and then, this, you know, the important thing here, in this three-issue story arc, Robert Reed becomes the Protector when he's near Robin, and he gets all of his gadgets and his, his fighting style and stuff. So, instead of the Protector being, like, this person who's just against drugs and kind of looks like a silly superhero and is addicted to drugs, in the Teen Titans television show universe... He's just this kid whose magic amulet allows him to use the powers of other superheroes. Um, which I think is like... Oh, here's the other thing, before I get to why that's creative. Um, Robert did retire from being a superhero because she, he found out that the amulet like borrowed the abilities from, from other heroes. So like, he in order for him to be an effective superhero, he has to basically steal the powers of other heroes. It's kind of like Rogue, but worse. Maybe. No, maybe, I don't know if it's, as, I don't know if it's worse than Rogue. But basically, if he's teaming up with Beast Boy, it's like, well, Beast Boy can't do anything because Robert stole his powers, you know? Um, but, like, I think this was a, a creative way to use this character, because for one thing, you get to use the H-Dial, which is, like, like, a, a big thing in DC Comics. It's been around since, like, the 40s. Um, but it's not usually in the forefront. People don't always talk about the H-Style. Um, I think, I don't think it was Bendis, but around the time Bendis was doing Young Justice, the comic book, they did a new Dial H book, and it was probably the biggest the series had been ever. Um, and again, the H-Style has been used as, like, influence for stuff like Ben 10. Um, but again, it, it uses the Dial H. I know Robert Reed is actually, like, an adult in the comics who had the H-Style for a long time. And then it also allows for you to use, like, these obscure characters like Lagoon Boy, Power Boy, Changeling, Jesse Quick. These are all existing characters in the DC Comics universe and the Protector. These are all characters that exist but, like, are so, like, sort of mundane and off to the side that you can basically make them almost original characters based on characters Robbie interacts with. Um, I think that's a super cool idea. Um, I always thought if you're going to do a Dial H movie or TV show, I think it would be better to use existing DC superheroes. Like, because it, it's fun to create new, wacky, one-off superheroes. But there's already, there's already like a million obscure DC Comics superheroes that you could use. And I think that works better. Because it, it allows you to be creative and use different power sets and all that stuff. And different costumes and everything. But it also allows you to pay homage and tribute to even the most obscure DC superhero. You know what I mean? Um, like, for as different as the Teen Titans 
comic version of Protector is from the DC Comics, you know, story version of Protector. For as different as they are, I really like both of these characters in terms of, like, I like the Teen Titans Go comic Protector because it's just such an interesting twist in the H style. Um, but I still like original DC Comics Protector because of all that hypocrisy, drug, war against drugs kind of character aspect to him. Um, and again, I feel like in a modern context, someone like the Protector could work very well um, as like a character piece, you know, like a character study. You know, what happens when a superhero, or just someone in general who's dedicated to a war against drugs, eventually falls under it? And like, it's not like he, it's not like he got into drugs and then stopped doing what he was doing. Like, the whole time he was telling you not to, like, do drugs, he was hooked on drugs. He... Like Ted, he got hooked on some drugs. <laughs> hooked onto some drugs. Oh boy. But uh, yeah, this probably won't be the last time we talk about The Protector because I really do want to read um, that new Teen Titans drug awareness special. Maybe if I do read that, I'll read that issue of Teen Titans Go. Um, or I guess issues, like the three-issue arc where uh, Robbie Reed becomes The Protector and a bunch of other heroes. So that's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Alright guys, that's that's the show today. Um, had a lot of fun talking about these movies, talking about The Protector. Um, you know, it's always funny. When I'm like preparing for a podcast and I'm like, alright, well I have some time, I should talk about an obscure comic book character. I'm always worried it won't be as fun as I think it is. And I'm always worried that like, who's gonna care? It's gonna come off as kind of boring, it's just gonna be this thing. But like... You know, by the time I get to talking about comic book characters in podcasts like this, I'm already, like, in, the in like, the motion. You can kind of tell over the course of a podcast, I start off very slow, um, very, you know, facts, you know, just quiet, you know, mumbles here and there. It was, that's my comedy, you know. <laughs> but then over the course, I get more excited and I talk about things that I'm interested in. And it becomes a bit easier for me to process thoughts and express how I feel and... And that's fun for me, so I, I hope that that fun kind of spreads to people that listen to this. Um, spreads like a drug. Haha, <laughs> I'm actually a villain. Um, dude, I want to cosplay the Protector now. I'll do it. <laughs> it doesn't look that hard. His costume's very basic. Um, but yeah, Tom King, give me that Give me that Protector miniseries. You can even make it two issues. I'll still read it. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool stuff, cool stuff. Um... I don't know what we're gonna, we're gonna do next week. I don't know if I'll have my Marvel stuff ready by then, but uh, we'll do something. We'll figure something out. I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do next. <laughs> um, my bachelor party's at the end of this month, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. I I'm not gonna record anything during that because we're gonna be drinking and playing video games. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll do a recording after where I talk about it. I'll definitely talk about it. It's going to be an event, guys. It's going to be a fucking party, all right? I got Max and Justin on bartending duty, all right? Connor's going to buy a pizza. I haven't told him that yet, but Connor's going to buy a pizza for me. Fucking Bennett's going to be the only sober one at this party. It's going to be lit, dude. Paul's going to fall out a window. It's going to be fucking crazy. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, as always, guys, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're on YouTube. I gotta do more YouTube stuff. I kind of want to edit together, like, a, I was listening to a couple of podcasts uh, the other day, a couple of our podcasts, and um, Seth and I have a lot, of, a lot of really good material on, like, roasting Superman, 
So I, I kind of want to use that at some point. Maybe we'll do a, a little collection of that for YouTube. But yeah, follow me there, and uh, I will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.